Good morning. I just love saying that. <laughs> I'm going to do something a little different, if it's okay. And I think it is, because I think the Lord has directed it. I have a bunch of pages of notes here, and I'm not going to use them. Instead, we're going to read a passage of Scripture. But first, I want to say a couple of things, and then we're going to have communion. And I want to talk about that in a minute, too. Audrey led the song, Holy Are You, Lord. And other than Frida, is there anybody here who knows the composer and singer of that song, who knows who he is, Don? His name is Terry McCallman. And Frida's the one that introduced me to him by giving, not personally, but his work, by giving me some CDs to listen to, and I really appreciate that. He is probably one of the most anointed worship leaders I've ever heard in my life. And he writes beautiful songs such as Holy Are You Lord and um, what's the other one? It slipped my mind that we sing. Um, we sing two more that he wrote. But, and he wrote Alleluia. He wrote, um, it slips my mind at the moment, but believe me, he wrote beautiful songs that we do sing. And since Jim has been gone, his music has blessed me so much. And about a year ago when COVID struck, he started doing daily hours with Jesus. He calls them daily, an hour with Jesus a day or something like that. And it's just worship. And it's just him and a keyboard. And the Lord just lights up the room when I turn it on at night. And I turn it down quiet so I barely can hear it. And I just conk right out. And I'm so thankful for that. I just wanted to share that. It wasn't by accident that Audrey chose that song. It was by divine order of the Lord. And I also think it was by divine order of the Lord. Believe it or not, the message I was going to, to give this morning was all about bread. And someday I probably will because I thought it was really good. But... Um, we're going to have bread and, and juice in a few minutes to commemorate the communion. In the book of Matthew, it actually uses the word communion to talk about this, the elements of this ceremony. But for now, if you would turn to Psalm chapter 3. And Audrey, maybe when we're taking the communion, we can sing this song, but thou, O Lord, are a shield about me, the lifter of my head. But if you turn to Psalm 3, I think the Lord, I know the Lord put this on my heart, sitting right there. We're going to read the whole psalm. It's only eight verses long. And then we're going to take communion. I'm going to say a few things about that. Lord, how are they increased? that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. 
But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down to sleep, and I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all of my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. And if you want to know how to pray, there it is. God, break the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth to the Lord, and thy blessing is upon thy people. And that's what we prayed for Jennifer this morning. God's protection, the bubble of the Holy Spirit to envelop her in this evil environment that she has to deal with every day. And we are praying that God will do that, that he will smite the enemy on the cheekbone and break the teeth of the ungodly. So that's the word, and we're gonna, I'm going to talk just a minute about communion because this was the last part of the message after the part of the, about the bread. And, you know, of course, at the Last Supper, Jesus gave thanks, and he broke the bread and shared it with his disciples, and he said, this is my body. The bread represented Christ's body that was nailed to the cross, and broken the very next day after he shared this with the disciples. And of course, the wine represented his blood, which was shed as the soldiers pierced his side while he was on the cross. The apostle Paul felt that this was such an important thing that he admonished the Corinthians to observe the eating of the bread and the drinking of the cup, or the communion as we call it today, some churches call it the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. To do it in a worthy manner, examining ourselves so that we avoid being judged. And that when we examine ourselves, we make certain that we are fully in the faith of Christ. That's what I read that the word examine there means, to be fully in the faith of Christ. So taking the bread in the communion cup unites us with Christ, and it signifies our belief in the work of the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the ascension, and of course we believe the soon return of Christ. But likewise, the sharing of the cup of blessing and the eating of the bread also unites us as one body, within the body of Christ, the church. Jesus told us many, many times throughout the word to be in unity with the believers in fellowship and in sharing. In the book of Luke, chapter six and verse 38, Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shaken together and running over shall men give to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, 
it shall be measured to you again. And you may think, well, what does that have to do with communion? Why are you talking about that? Well, because the terms that Jesus used in this passage of scripture relates to grain. How the buyer in the market would place the bag or the basket that they're going to fill up that the, the excuse me, the seller would place the grain that the buyer, the buyer brought to be filled and he would pour the grain with the measuring cup into the bag and the grain would settle and he would shake it like this and then he would press it down and he would add more and more and more grain until, excuse me, until it was overflowing. And this is what Jesus was saying. If we give this way, we will receive this way. So the analogy of the grain, because bread symbolizes Jesus. This is all I'm going to talk about the bread, just this few little paragraphs. There are a few basic ingredients when you make bread. You can add all kinds of other things, other flavorings or influences, but the basic requirements are grain, such as wheat or rye, that's been ground into a fine flour. <laughs> I know what he's doing. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> I have the best grandkids. <clears throat> <clears throat> Grains that have been <clears throat> ground into flour, water, and salt. That's all that's required to make bread. And it's amazing that these three elements the grain, the water, and the salt are all used by Jesus as examples of himself, the bread of life. The grain, Jesus said that unless a golden kernel of wheat falls to the ground and is buried so that it can grow up into a great crop, how, signifying how he must die and be buried and rise again to the glory of the Father. The water, Jesus said that all who are thirsty can come to him and drink, and that they will never thirst again, and that those who come will receive rivers of living water springing up out of their soul. And the salt. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 21, you remember when the water turned bitter and the people were dying and they couldn't have babies, they were infertile because of the water. And Elisha prayed and God said, put salt in the water. You remember the salt he threw into the water and he said, this is what the Lord says to you. I have purified this water and it will no longer cause death or infertility. And he called this the covenant of salt. And likewise, Christ was poured into a putrid, dying world and brought life to the world. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, 
that we are to be the salt of the earth. We can be poured into that same putrid. This is why I wanted to read this, Jen. The light that's within you can be seen by this same putrid dying world and bring life to others. <clears throat> so the grain, the water, and the salt makes bread. And today we're going to participate in this communion service by eating the bread and drinking the cup. Today we're going to have a different kind of bread. Don, you can go ahead and come. Doug, maybe you could help um, dis distribute. <clears throat> the last couple of times that we've had communion, we used those big oyster crackers, and they were a little too much to swallow with just the little shot of the juice afterwards. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to use those anymore. I don't like the I don't like the thickness of them and how gluey they are, and they're just hard to to get down. So I really did feel impressed to the Lord to try this. I don't know that we ever have before, but I went to the grocery store and I bought matzo bread, matzo bread, I believe it is. It's just water, grain, a little bit of salt, and malt. I'm not sure what the malt is for flavoring, I assume. But this is what we're going to use this morning. And of course, this is called kosher because it was made in such a way that it meets the Jewish standards of being kosher. But this is the grain and the salt and the water that we're going to take this morning with the communion. The spiritual bread is still fresh. It never lost its savor. It never lost its power or its impact on the world. So that when we take this communion, we can ask the Lord because it's alive. We can ask him to open our eyes of understanding just like the two men who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus and they said, when Jesus broke the bread and gave it to them, they op it opened their eyes and he said, we know who he is and didn't our hearts burn within us as he expounded on the word of God to us. What do you need to ask the Lord to open your eyes for this morning? I know I have several things. Don, do you want to pray over the elements? So you all have to let me know how the matzo works after we take this. When mom told me we were having communion today, I, I, I went and read both the account in Matthew and, and also in Corinthians because I thought there's a... Yeah. When Jesus first took the first communion with his disciples, they didn't quite understand. They didn't have the complete understanding of what was coming. Um, but by the time Paul addressed it in Corinthians, they did. You know, the church had been practicing this order for some time. And in fact, he was doing what he does best and correcting the church and exactly how to go about it and being um, generous. And, you know, if you're hungry, eat before you come. Um, so that there's enough for everybody and it can be done in a way that's glorifying God and not 
you know, ourselves or, or becoming a, one of our ceremonies that loses its meaning. Um, so it's great that we have that recording of the importance and the application of communion both at the original Last Supper, as they call it, and then throughout the ordinances um, of the church over time and, and it's codified by Paul. So we're going to go ahead and, and pray over the elements of the communion today. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful, Lord God, to partake in this ordinance, Jesus, that you directly instructed and that we're to do so until you come, to proclaim your death until you return. And even you said you would not partake again until we do so together in eternity. And oh, do we look forward to that opportunity. Today, we remember you in this way. We remember what you've done for us. We remember the hope. We acknowledge the hope of eternal life that we have because of what you did that your body hung upon a cross as was foretold, as was prophesied. Just because it was prophesied doesn't mean you didn't do it, doesn't mean you didn't go through it, doesn't mean you didn't actually live through that torture and that your body wasn't actually tortured. Yes, it was prophesied, but you had to willingly walk through that for us. And you did, you did. And we thank you, Lord, that you willingly took up your cross, took up the cross, and was hung on that cross for our sins. Your body was broken and tortured for us. And we bless that, God. We thank you, Jesus, for willingly giving yourself for us, for your body that was broken for us. Amen. your disciples to take up the cup and that that cup represented your blood which would be spilled for the sins of humanity but they didn't understand at the time God we understand now you did it we know what you did your sinless blood was spilled a perfect lamb sacrifice was spilled for our sins it was the only way there was only one in the heavens and on earth there was only one who was perfect who could willingly give themselves for our sins. And it is that blessed blood that was spilled that makes us whiter than snow, so that when you look upon us, when the Father looks upon us, He sees the righteous blood of Christ spread over us, and that we appear righteous in His eyes because of your blood. We are so grateful for that sacrifice, and we honor it today in partaking.